Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another Wednesday night of Sports Conversation on the <clears throat> Fighting Network. And, of course, we really look forward to tonight's show. We've got a great, great list of guests. Frank Cattle, our exec producer, though, will jump in first tonight because 
a lot of things happening, as everybody knows, with the hurricane and all the problems Florida's had. And, Frank, yeah, you're right in the center of it, and I know you want to have a couple of dedications before we start the show. Yes, I want to dedicate this show to the wonderful people of southwest Florida. They've been so much, through so much. There's a situation, everything from south of Punta Gorda all the way down to the middle of uh, of the uh, alligator uh, alley. It, most of it's destroyed, uh, totally destroyed. Um, and it's, it's a shame. Um, we as a, a company and we as a family have sent a, a check to the uh, um, American Red Cross to uh, get kittens to, to what it's going to cost to rebuild. On the other side, is uh, the thing that got me the most uh, upset about it is that uh, last week uh, a good friend uh, was working the detail out on 275, and when a, uh, a road worker ran a pitchfork through him, uh, not just a regular pitchfork, but one that was attached to a uh, tractor, and Mike Hargraves lost his license that night, and we buried him on Monday. Yesterday morning at 2.30, a young man at Lane Lane, was uh, assisting on a, a warrant uh, arrest when uh, shots were fired inside a trailer. He had already taken a, a position to to defend himself, but uh, one of the shots came through the the uh, trailer, uh, struck uh, Deputy Lane. Uh, they thought at first it was just his shoulder, but it went through to the cav- the chest cavity. And he expired on the way to Lakeland Hospital. So tonight's program is dedicated to those two men who gave their lives so that others can, can live a good free life. Both these men were very hard workers. Mike had uh, just uh, six months left to go before he retired. He's a 19-year veteran of Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. Blaine is a, uh, unfortunately, a brand new eight eight and a half months on the job deputy in Polk County. According to uh, Grady Judd, he was an excellent uh, deputy, uh, a good standing with the department, good standing in this community, a good person. Uh, so to their families, we sent out our deepest uh, sympathies, uh, and we hope that uh, this tragedy doesn't strike uh, Florida uh, deputies uh, again for a long time. This is, this is kind of tough. But, uh, that's uh, so tonight's program is dedicated to all three of these, the people from Southwest Florida who have lost everything, the people who from uh, Mike Hargrave's family, uh, both uh, Sean and Bo, and uh, Lane, uh, Lane's uh, parents, uh, mom and dad, his girlfriend, his fiance, I should say. Uh, we would, we, our, our deepest sympathy here with you. If there's anything we as a company or we as, as individuals can do, please step down. All right, we'll kick it off. We certainly hope uh, all the uh, very positive reaction today within the state, certainly down at Fort Myers and that area where the storm really hit. The president of town in town today, uh, President Biden, and of course with DeSantis, the governor of the state of Florida, uh, working together. Uh, hopefully, they're saying you're going to work very, very positively together to do everything you can possibly do for the state of Florida, and let's just hope that uh, that follows through. Let's bring Roy Cummings in, as we always do uh, to begin the show. Roy's up in Tampa, Florida. And, 
I hear some. I hear. Do we have Roy with us? Hello. Okay, Roy. Roy uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome. We uh, obviously missed last week with the hurricanes and everything, but we're going to jump right back in. We'll start off with football because you got a lot of news up there with uh, what's happening with the Bucks. They had a tough, tough weekend Sunday night game that everybody had a chance to see. Uh, their quarterback had a tough night and also is having a tough night off the field simultaneously. So a lot of bad things happening at Tampa right now, whether it can correct it or not. What do you think? Don, Don uh, our eminent uh, sportscaster, uh, uh, the guy who is obstinate in everybody's mind in the southwest Florida area, uh, is about to speak to us with his melodic tones. Mr. Cummings. Who is this? Oh, Mr. Cummings. Who is this? Go to him. Go to him, Roy. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> well, as, as always, he, uh, he clearly overstates my position. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I just want to – I hope everybody is uh, is well. Um, Don, I hope you made it through uh, the storm okay. I know I've got family in Sarasota, so I know it was uh, pretty rough there for a while. Um Hearts and you know thoughts and prayers out to everybody in South Florida here, guys. As uh, we continue to try to get through this uh, this difficult time, so um, a lot of people struggling, obviously uh, south of where I am. And I was fortunate; I was very fortunate to uh, to have come out of this unscathed. So uh, uh, just praying for all the people who uh, who did not. Absolutely, no question about it. My daughter flew in. Uh, she was headed down to Naples this morning. They opened up at Fort Myers, uh, and they had a full daylight uh, uh, landing and, and taking off. The airport was open today, so that's a very, very good sign. But uh, you're exactly right, Roy. Uh, from Venice down uh, to below uh, Fort Myers, why they really got hit hard, and Sanibel got crushed. Yeah, it, it really did, and uh, you know, I just saw on the news where uh, one one couple uh, finally got back to their home in Sanibel, and uh, lo and behold, they were just shocked that it was it was everything was fine. It was as if it was untouched, <laughs> but it was crazy. Every other house on their block, every other house was uh, was destroyed, and every and every other house was not. It was just it's it's amazing how these storms work. It's really incredible, guys, and um, boy oh boy, it's just a you know, sometimes I think we take it for granted. You know, it's like, oh, it's a rainstorm. It's no, it's not, it's a lot more than that. And when they tell you to evacuate, you got to evacuate because um, you know you can rebuild a home. You can, uh, you know, somehow get back a lot of the stuff you lose, but you can't get back your life if you if you try to take chances. So, no anyway, question. we were really we were just so lucky here in Sarasota. We, uh, I mean, we still haven't gotten uh, computers back up and so forth. But I mean, other than losing power. Uh, we lost basically nothing. One palm tree. That was about it. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. Very happy to hear it. Uh, my in-laws uh, live in Siesta Key, and they uh, they were without power for a few days, and uh, still boiling water. Um, tomorrow, I think they're going to get the okay finally to start running water again. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, always uh, always a tough time. Always something you got to got to pay attention to. No question. Now let's see if we can jump back into the world of sports. And uh, I just wanted to start with last Sunday night's game because it was really one of the feature games of the 
22 season, and uh, a lot of things happening both on the field for Tampa Bay and also off the field. So, a lot of a lot of news in your area, Roy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it was a it was a great uh, matchup, obviously, of a, a rematch of the Super Bowl from a couple of years ago, and. You know, not so, I, it didn't surprise me that, that the Chiefs uh, won that game, and it really didn't surprise me all that much that they outplayed the Bucks to the level that they did. I was a little surprised that the defense didn't show up a little bit more. Um, thought that the defense had really figured some things out, obviously. I mean, but, um, you know, look, I still think the Chiefs, uh, even without Tyreek Hill, as difficult a team as you're going to face in terms of uh, offensive uh, capability. They can do anything. Patrick Mahomes, when he's on, is extremely strong. The running game is good. Um, they've got some players at Pacheco who can just spoil. Boy, does he, he put his head down and just drive through you. So um, it, it's a really good team, and the Bucks just aren't there yet. I mean, it, it's very similar, it seems to me, right now. And we don't know how it's going to finish up, but you know, this is kind of how it was the first year with Tom Brady here. It was a little bit, you know, you, they look good, and, uh, you know, at times things didn't look good, and you were a little bit concerned, you know, through the first half of the season, and then they, they poured it on late. I think the same thing could happen here as long as they can stay healthy. But um, the key, I think, for the Bucks is they've got to get, they've got, they've got to get some receivers healthy and uh, beyond Mike Evans. Uh, they've got to get Julio Jones or Chris Godwin. At least one of those guys has got to. Uh, be a big part of this because they're, they're they're trying to and now you know with the possible loss of Cameron Brady tight end um, they could be in some trouble because again you know how much Tom Brady likes to play uh, likes to work his tight ends and he was doing that obviously with Cameron Brady in that game until he got hurt and now they you know Cole Beasley retires so now they got to go out and find another body um, they're 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 facing some challenges here the good news for the Bucks is that uh, obviously uh, uh, you know they've got uh, they've got a, a very strong defense didn't look like it the other night but uh, uh, the good news is they've got Tom Brady and they've got time and they're in a division that uh, is, is pretty forgiving so I think they're in pretty good shape and um, boy oh boy you could still talk about Durley only a quarter of the season through but you could actually talk about a Tampa Bay uh, uh, Eagles uh, NFC Championship matchup Roger. Well, only time will tell, Roy. Uh, it's early in the season, uh, but there's a lot of two-and-two two teams in the NFL, I'll tell you that. And the, I'll tell you what surprises me is that uh, it, it just goes to show you sometimes one player does not make the difference, even though that's a quarterback. And I think it's a perfect example is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, uh, I don't think anyone would have thought uh, with uh, Dak being out that they would be playing as well as they are, and I'm I'm very impressed. The Giants at uh, three and one, and uh, you know, what's your assessment of uh, uh, some of the other teams uh, in in the league? Yeah, look, I think what the Cowboys are proving is that if you're a good team and you lose your quarterback, you just need a quarterback to go in there and not mess it up. Um, Cooper Rush is just playing good, solid football. It's, it's not exceptional. It's not, you know, it's not outstanding. It's not highlight real football. But you know, he's just he's he's making the plays that are there. He's not trying to force the ball. And if you've got a if you got a quarterback, young or old, doesn't matter. Who, who's you know willing to just be a in essence a game manager. I know they hate that phrase, but um, just go out there and just do your job and and don't try to take too many chances. 
um, you can win football games. And you're right. Uh, it's um, uh, We're seeing a lot of teams do that. Um, you know, I don't think the Falcons uh, – are a team that is out of the, you know, out of the race here. I don't think Carolina is out of the race. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I think the Giants are playing a little bit of over their heads, but um, you know, you you get if you get some confidence, uh, suddenly you start to play a little bit better naturally. So you know, let's see how it goes. I, I'm anxious to see them against uh, some better teams and see how they fare. So uh, the NFC is turning out to be a, uh, you know, quite quite very tight. Because right now, I mean, who do you look at in the NFC and say, outside of Philadelphia maybe, and say, okay, well, there's the, there's the cream of the crop. Uh, because you said a lot of two-and-two two teams right now. And Philadelphia did everything wrong in the first half of the game uh, on Sunday, Roger. Uh, fumbles, uh, interceptions, everything. And then they put it all together and, and won the game. But uh, they didn't play very well the first half. No, they didn't. And uh, we'll talk to Bill about that. But – uh, I don't know whether you saw uh, Hertz on uh, the Manning uh, uh, cast on uh, Monday Night Football, but, uh, you know, he, he's a special guy. Uh, and, he, you know, his father was a high school coach, and, and they showed this one scissor play, and he said, I, I haven't thrown or involved in that play since I was in Little League football. And, you know, I just thought that he's a quiet guy, but he really uh, leads the team. And, uh, uh, boy, he can take some hits, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's un- yeah. You, unfortunately, we're finding out that, yes, he can take some hits. I don't, uh, yeah, he can't take too many. No, <laughs> he's got to do a right. better job protecting him. But, you know, back to what Don said, to me, it's a great sign of a good football team. When you can play as poorly as the Eagles did, in the first half, and still win the game. I don't care who the opponent is. Uh, that says something about your team overall. Um, you know, it's sixty. It's a sixty-minute game, and a lot of times, if you can go out there and somehow win the second half, you can win the game, and uh, and it's big. So, um, I really like what the Eagles are doing. Um, you know, we'll, they're going to they're going to continue to face some challenges, no doubt about it. But they have done a good job of building around Jalen Hurts. They really have, and. Uh, uh, you know, it's looking like the right call to have gotten rid of Carson Wentz when they did and, and made this move. And really, it's a, it's a matter now of just, again, uh, you know, filling in the pieces here and there. And uh, it looks as though they've done that. Well, back to your point, Roger. And, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are going to be without their frontline quarterback for at least one more week. And I wouldn't even be surprised the way uh, uh, the writings are coming down to this point midway through this week that it may be longer than this weekend because they're saying he's having a very, very difficult time gripping the football. So uh, that that may be a story that's going to be ongoing for another week or at least maybe even two. Well, yeah, know, what's well, the rush, guys? Of... <laughs> Pardon the pun, yeah. guys, but what's the rush? I mean, yeah. when you got a guy playing as well as Cooper Rush is and he's playing exceptionally well, why rush the other guy back? I understand he's your best quarterback and you want to have your best players out there, but if he's compromised in any way to you know 10 percent let let the kid go because he's doing an exceptional job sorry to interrupt you there uh, roger but i just wanted to you know make that point no you're right uh, roy absolutely my point uh, was about the sunday's uh, eagles jaguars game was that uh, trevor lawrence fumbled a number of times i think five and uh, a lot of that they they feels predicated on how bad the weather conditions were and the wet field and everything. And I've heard 
uh, a number of uh, quote-unquote experts say that uh, even when you're preparing for weather like that, there are coaches that will just take you inside the uh, the dome uh, practice facility, the enclosed practice facility, and uh, where others like Belichick will take you out in the rain, the snow during the week to make sure that uh, you can grip the ball. But, I, I, you know, I, I think that a lot of that, the Eagles look great, don't get me wrong, but I also think that uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, fumbling a number of times also had a big effect on that game. It did, and you're right. Uh, there are different philosophies. Uh, uh, when it comes, If you know you're going to be playing in wet weather, uh, usually the coaches will give you at least one practice day out. They may not a whole day because, you know, you still have work that you want to get done. And um, But if you know for a fact that you're going to be facing, uh, you know, some tough weather or some wet weather, you, you know, you'll run some, some wet ball drills. You'll do that. That's a big part of it. And uh, you're right. Some coaches um, don't do it, but it, it makes some sense to go out there and, you know, run a red zone uh, series or, or, you know, run a, run a couple of 11-on-11 uh, 11 11 series uh in with you know with the with the wet ball and then the wet conditions because granted you don't want to you know test fate and get anybody hurt in practice but at the end of the day you've got to kind of get used to that and um you know if you've got a bunch of kids who aren't used to it players that aren't used to it uh, if you're a dome team you're going on the road you know you're outside sometimes you got to do it yeah really going back to your initial point uh about the bucks game and that was it you know, uh, obviously you can't foresee there's going to be a fumble on the opening kickoff. Put yourself in a position to give, you know, Kansas City the ball twice in the 20-yard line in the first quarter before you get a chance to get the game underway. But some of the things that surprised me beyond the fact that the fumble uh, were the fact that the Bucks were starting to make a comeback. What did they do? They kicked the ball out of bounds and give it to them on the 40-yard line. Something as stupid as that. Two punts during the course of the game. One of them wasn't more than 25 yards. I mean, you can't you can't make those kinds of dumb plays not challenged. I mean, you're you're not being challenged on these plays. You got to all you're doing is kicking the ball off. Do you kick it out of bounds at the five yard line when you're coming back and you got it down to seven points? Doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And uh, but it's it's just further proof that sometimes you know football is often won by the team that makes the least mistakes. Uh, and, and certainly that was the case uh, in, this, in this situation. Again, um, you know, it wasn't like the Bucks were really in the game. Um, they, they kept themselves out of it. Uh, you know, if you're a Bucks fan, you look at it and you say, okay, you had a couple of series where the offense really got going, and uh, it looked like they were able to kind of just dictate what they wanted to do. That's a good sign going forward. Um, you have to worry a little bit about the defense. Uh, you know, they, they haven't – Outside of the Packers, they really haven't faced anybody. And, you know, granted it was the Cowboys, but I'm not so sure that they faced, you know, really exceptional teams. I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be the number one defense in the league. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, they didn't earn, you know, the, the fact that they gave up, given up very few points, uh, very few yards uh, through the first uh, quarter of the season. Uh, I'm not taking that away from them. But um, th- this was a sign that uh, there, there might be some holes in that defense that have to be shored up. Roger. Roger. Here's the uh, I'm here. Sorry, I'm oh, here. Sorry about that. That my question is: Do you think that uh, Todd Bowles needs to uh, 
get away from uh, calling the defensive plays and more managing the whole team. Uh, I just would like your opinion about that. I have mine, and I think he should. Well, I, I don't know. I don't think so, and, and, and I'll want to hear your, your reason behind your, your thought on that because, no, I, I think, look, this defense has been exceptional for the last, you know, since Todd Bowles came in, um, and, and, and it wasn't exceptional on Sunday, but that's the first time it hasn't been exceptional. You don't broke, you don't, in my opinion, you don't try to, you don't break what's not, what's not broken. Um, that's one of the strengths of this team. In fact, that's what's carried the Buccaneers through the first uh, portion of the season is their defense. I wouldn't be messing with that at all. I don't think that um, uh, Todd Bowles is having any issues whatsoever in terms of running the game uh, and everything else that's happening, uh, you know, around him uh, because he's calling defensive plays. When you've got a guy like Tom Brady, a quarterback, um, and they really believe in Byron Leftwich, and well, they, well, they should. It's not like you have to spend a lot of time worrying about the offense. That, that's going to take care of itself. Again, injuries, I think, are really hurting him there. But um, at the end of the day, I, I, I think Todd Bowles is doing an exceptional job calling the defense, uh, building the defense, and I wouldn't change anything there. So, Roger, I, I'm anxious to hear why you think it should be the other way around. Well, well we're going to have to hold it. We have to hold that till next week, Roger. We got Billy on the line, and uh, Roy, thank okay. you so very, very much. As always, we'll come in with the first question next uh, Wednesday night, and uh, we'll have another game under our belt. We'll see what uh, what Todd Bowles of the defense do there. But thank you very much. Have a great week, and uh, certainly uh, we wish everybody in the state of Florida nothing but the best, Roy. Thank you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk next you week. You too, Rick. Thanks. All right. Have a great week. Thanks, Roy. Be safe. Take care. Billy Wardell uh, with us right now from Philadelphia. Billy, something that I don't normally do because we go right to you. got so many things to talk about with you and what's happening in the world of sports. But first of all, let me just say Billy's one of the outstanding sportscasters in Philadelphia. He's been there for such a long period of time. And one thing I'd like you to do at the top of the show, Billy, uh, open your segment here the way you do at home because uh, the way you do on your radio show because people all across the country will be able to listen to it so uh, open this one, this segment up the way you would do it if you were on your radio station in Philadelphia. Well, thank you, Don. You're listening to WCHE 1520, 95.3 on the FM dial, WCHE 1520.com, Facebook as well, and you always can follow me on Twitter, the Werndell, W-E-R-N-D-L. There we go. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely right. I want ability to get that in so the people will, admit, will repeat it again right at the end because most people don't have pencils and papers and things in front of them when they're listening to the show. But I want Billy to have an opportunity to uh, give you the opportunity to hear him anywhere in the country that uh, you may be listening to radio. Uh, Billy, uh, I, I, we've got to jump off the, off the football for a minute. Uh, the playoffs uh, are going to start on Friday. Uh, let me get your opinion. I'm not going to give any opinion. I'll let you and Roger give your opinions first. What do you think the Phillies are going in against the Cardinals? Well, look, the Cardinals have always been a traditionally good playoff team. But I look at the Phillies' starting rotation with Wheeler, Nola, and uh, Suarez. I mean, he had a flip the other night against Houston. He didn't have his good stuff. But I think their starting pitching is a lot stronger than St. Louis. But the key will be, can the Phillies play defense? Can they play small ball in the postseason? And how will their bullpen hold up when they 
when Wheeler or Nola turned the ball or Suarez turned the ball over to the bullpen. They're the three components that I'm looking at. But I think they could match up with the Cardinals in this first round of the playoffs. Roger? Well, they were uh, four and three uh, with the Cardinals during the year, Bill. And uh, what do you think of that? Talking about the bullpen, I totally agree with you on that. And uh, the question is, what do you think about uh, Eflin in the bullpen? I think he's done a really good job. Well, I I think Eflin's one of the parts of the puzzle in the bullpen. Alvarado, Eflin, and Robertson. I'm I'm not going to count on Sir Anthony Dominguez. I'm just a little nervous about him. I, I am don't think too. he's completely yeah. healthy. So I, I think in a in in a closing situation, I, I like if you're going to use Alvarado, have Alvarado face the two, the three, four, five hitters in, in the lineup. You know, I, I throw the closer out the window. I want my best relief pitcher to face the meat of their order, and that's what you have to do. I agree. Billy, I think yeah. uh, let me just throw in a couple of points. One, I think the starting pitchers are going to have to throw at least 90 pitches. They're going to have to be able to stay in there and pitch, uh, you know, six-plus innings, uh, maybe even seven. Uh, I think the starting pitcher for the Phillies, to be honest with you, is better than the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the problem they have is winning at Bush Memorial Stadium. The Cardinals are, uh, for the season, what, 12 games over 500, 11, 12 games over 500 at home. They're a very, very solid home team. They've got an excellent lineup. They're good defensively. And the Phillies are going to have to play uh, not baseball like they played last night. They got 15 base hits and 10 runs and and uh, were uh, had a no-hitter thrown out of for eight, for eight innings. I mean, they can't play like that and win anything. Lost three right, to two you're right, Don. Ron, Don, you're absolutely right. And they can't solely depend on the home run. No. Because the playoffs are a different animal. You've got to create opportunities on the bases. You've got to play a little small ball. You have to bunt in situations. Because, look, everybody is loaded up in the bullpen. One sign of trouble, uh, they are going to the bullpen. So the Phillies have got to manufacture runs in the postseason. And if they get by the Cardinals – then they have a daunting task in front of them. Roger? Well, you've probably heard it many times, Bill, in uh, Philadelphia about uh, paybacks. This is like a payback from 2011 when the Cardinals were the the wild card. And they came in and the Phillies had the best record, I believe, what, 102 wins in baseball that year. Mm-hmm. And they yep. were picked to win the World Series, go all the way. And I'll never forget that one nothing game, okay? Uh, Carpenter versus Holiday. I mean, you'll remember it. All of us remember it. one nothing, And it was that one run in the first inning, as I recall. So yeah, anything can happen because the, I mean, the Cardinals did it in 11. Who's to say that now the uh, Phillies? I doubt it. But uh, that's what people are saying, Don't you know. Don't be a doubting Thomas, Roger. Don't <laughs> be a doubting Thomas. I don't like guys who are doubting Thomases, all right? Think positively. You know, it's ironic. October 7, 2011 is that game you're talking about, Roger, when Carpenter shut out the Phillies one nothing. They opened the series. Of course, that was 
played at Citizen Bank Park. They open the season uh, series in St. Louis October 7, 2022. Is that a little magic or what? Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Deja vu, Don. Deja vu. Well, as I say, I, I think the Phillies have and a couple of things I want to ask you about, too, Billy. I mean, the Phillies have highs and they have lows. They they play well two or three games, four games. They've they got to play at least two real good ones in this series or they're going to be home. So two yeah. things. One, do you think do you think they can play a consistent two games to get out of St. Louis with a win since you're only going to play in St. Louis? You're not coming back to Citizens Bank Park. And number two, how does this affect Robbie Thompson? Well, I certainly think he's uh, secured the job for next year. All right, Let's you do put that to bed. I, I really believe that. I, I really believe Robbie Thompson is the manager next year, unless something unforeseen happens. Because he did a heck of a job. He's in the mm-hmm. in, in the running for manager of the year. But now the one other thing we didn't touch on, they've got to get production out of Bryce Harper. He's yep, struggled the last right. 15, 17 games. He has yeah. got to step up big, big time in, in the series. If you're being paid all that money, you've got to put the team on your shoulder. You've got to be the big-time factor in this series or a deciding factor. Roger, well, I, I know you were tough on Rilamuto all year, but I, I, I talked to Billy. I did Billy's show with him uh, early this week. I think he's the most valuable player on the team this year, and I think he's got to have a half-decent world or a playoff series as well. I think he's a big key. Well, there's no doubt about it. I agree with that. But uh, I, I agree with Bill about uh, Harper, and the only thing is that he's only going to be able to DH, as we know, because of that uh, problem with his arm. And right. he's probably just having surgery after the season. But he has got to produce, and he has not been producing uh, since basically he came back off the uh, the uh, injury list. I think, what, two home runs, I think. Right, Bill? That's correct. And, and you mentioned J.T. Riamuto. He's got to be in the conversation for the MVP. I don't think he'll win it. But he put this team on his back when he Harper did. went down. He was a key. And I'm going to say one thing, and I, I don't think I'll get an argument from you guys. J.T. Riamuto is the best all-around catcher in Major League Baseball. Show me another catcher better than Ray Muto and, and I'll eat crow right now on this show. Well, two things. Uh, he does everything they want. He throws the ball well. He holds runners uh, to get this rub down and steal bases on him. And, and uh, number two, he plays every game. I mean, uh, look yeah. at the number of games that he's played in Gormans. I mean, he's, he had a shaky beginning. But you can look at him from the all-star break in, and I don't have the paper in front of me to tell you. I, I was hit 272 or 273 when I saw not, not today's game yesterday. Uh, so he's in that range. I mean, what catcher in the National League is hitting 273 and hitting the home runs? He's hitting and playing the defense. He's playing and playing every game. Uh, Don, he put, put, uh, caught more innings than any catcher in baseball by two right. or 300 innings. That is unbelievable. And these idiots were trying to run him out of town and trying to say the Phillies got hoodwinked by signing the $119 million deal. This now looks like a, a bargain because this guy wants to play. And, and that's the key. If a guy wants to play, some of these guys are always looking to opt out. Oh, I, I don't feel good today. 
Uh, my toe hurts, the whole deal. I mean, this guy is a gamer. And anybody that denigrates uh, JT Real Muto, they are way off base. The, 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 the guy that hoodwinked the bill was Castellanos. I'll tell you what, well, you talk about a, a dumb move. That's a dumb move. I, I did not like – first of all, if you sign Schwerber, that's that's one of your big bats. You have Riamuto, yeah. Schwerber, and Harper in the middle, and Hoskins. Why did you have to bring in a, another guy who's a defensive liability? And Don You're alluded right. to this at the top of the show. You have to play good defense. Schwerber, Schwerber is an average left fielder, and when Castellanos has got to play right field, you hold your breath because he plays right field like he's on roller skates. And, did and not even have center, Billy, field. even center's not a lockdown job. Well, they really like Marsh a lot. They think going forward, Marsh could hit 260, 270, hit about 17 home runs a year. He's a very good defensive center fielder, and that's what they need. Uh, Herrera was so inconsistent. Uh, the other guys, Veerling, people like that, they're good fourth and fifth outfielders. Well, that's good. Mother- and, you know, about Marsh, I will say, Bill, uh, that uh, I agree with you that, you know, they're very high on him, and he's a young guy. And and that yeah, they is. have control of him. That's the key, too. Mm-hmm. You're right about that, Roger. All right, let's go back yeah. to your small ball, Billy. How many guys on this team can bunt? How many guys can – Hit and run. How many guys can steal bases? Where's the versatility coming to play small ball with the with the 2022 Phillies? Well, you know, Don, they're, they're going to have to do it. I mean, you're going to have to do, manufacture runs because every game is going to be relatively close. I mean, you're going to have to sacrifice. You know, the one problem playing small ball is so many guys do not have a good two-strike approach. Everybody's swinging from their heels. And right. they really don't understand the strike zone. I mean, this analytic stuff, I mean, to a certain extent, it's good to have all this information. I think they overload the players with information. You know, I look in the dugout and they got their computers out. They're looking at the computers. <laughs> Give me a break. Come on. <laughs> the, the, the great players of yesteryear have to rely on computers? No. And no. uh, I, I just think that, you know, that's so ridiculous. I think we're, Willie we're Mays just, had the greatest line ever, Billy. See the ball, hit the ball. That's what it's all no about. Question. <laughs> no question about it. And, I mean, look at Yogi Ferrell was one of the worst two-strike hitters, the uh, bad ball hitters, I should say, in baseball. Right, and right. Again, and look, you look at Yogi Ferrell's stats. I think his entire career struck out less than 700 times in his career. How about Joe DiMaggio? All these great players, they weren't striking out at a record pace. How do you strike out 200 times in a season? That means 200 times the ball is not in play. Joe DiMaggio struck out 13 times, Billy, in 1941. 13 times. Absolutely, 13 times. And he was a power hitter, all right? And how about this stat, Don? Look at this. Of the great players, Henry Aaron. How many times do you think Henry Aaron struck out a hundred times in a season? Yeah, well, without the book, I'd say very few, if yeah. ever. Zero. Well, How many times did Willie Mays strike out a hundred times in a year? Zero. 
one time yeah. and went, went and oh, played for the one? Mets. The Phillies, the, Phillies get, the Phillies can do that in one game. I mean, they can strike out 12, 13, 14, 15 times in a game. You only have 27 outs. It's a very simple game. Take 15 I, from 27. How much chance do you have to score? That You're right about that, John. They're so right about that. You're taking, you know, the bat basically out of the guy's hands when he strikes right. out. Goes back to the dugout. That he moves the runner. And he can't help he the team at all. He can't do what he can't do nope. one thing positive. What nope. is that bad? No, nope. nope. You got you got well, to you put know, the ball in play. You're exactly. Both of you are 100. percent I'll tell you the getting back getting back to the bullpen. That statistic about the number of innings that the starting pitching pitchers have pitched, and the number of innings that the relief core has pitched. But the far excessive number of walks, as we all know, of the relief relievers over the starting pitchers is mind-boggling. Well, I, you know, know, I knew it was bad, but it's bad. Well, look, if, if you put the leadoff runner on base, especially with a walk, start to deflate your team a little bit. Because yeah. normally yeah. if a guy gets on base with a walk to lead off an inning, he normally scores. Mm-hmm. And, again, I get back to these people that are running baseball today, these analytics people, that they spend millions and millions of dollars every team, and we have an inferior product out there. Well, you You're can right. say that again. Absolutely, yeah. All right, Billy, well, me, let me ask you this, Billy. Give me your, you and Roger both. Give me, give me your one, two, three. Let's say that our starting pitchers for the Phillies go – Six and two thirds, six and one third, and eight. One, two, three out of the bullpen for Thompson. One, two, three. The three, three guys you think coming out. I, I yes. think first it'll be uh, depending on the situation. I think you'd probably see Eflin, then you would see Robertson, and then you'd see Alvarado, depending on the situation, Don. I'll tell you, I was a very strong, and Roger will tell you this. I was a very strong advocate of. of Roberts is coming to the Phillies. I, I thought they made a steal uh, when when they got him at the trading there, you know, at the free agent deadline. Uh, uh, it hasn't worked out quite as well as I thought it would, but I still think he's a quality player. Well, he's been down down the road with a lot of clubs. He knows what playoff yes. pressure is about. And and the yes. one guy who has taken this team uh, by the seat of its pants is Kyle Schwarber. He's the leader on this team. Not Harper. Yeah. It is Kyle Schwarber because he's had postseason experience and he has a World Series ring. Roger, that's very. You know, you're right, and and uh, I don't think that uh, people realize uh, that. And uh, you know, he he's been the leadoff hitter for, for so long now, and what I think uh, wound up with what was it, 46 home runs? I think, right, yeah, Bill? Absolutely, very very yeah. solid year. The only yeah. well, he had a character is, is, as a leadoff hitter, Billy, but he he certainly made the most of it. Right. And the one negative is the 200 strikeouts. That's right. Yeah. And the batting the average at, uh, what, 216? Yeah. 214. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's got to be a middle-of-the-order guy. They've got to find a legitimate leadoff hitter. Well, I'm surprised your second Rollins baseman is their leadoff hitter, to be honest with you. I, 
I don't I don't quite understand why he's been moved around so much. I mean, he's very consistent. He's going to hit 295 to 305. But uh, I, I would have thought he would have been your leadoff hitter, but it didn't turn out that way. Well, he was hurt but for a while, too. You know why, Don? Everything is being dictated and Roger by the analytics department. Yeah, yeah. Upstairs. Upstairs. Yep. But, you know well, what I would do with that analytics pro- I, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Throw them out. Throw the thumbs out. <laughs> I will say this. The Phillies... The Phillies will advance to the next round of the playoffs. Oh, there you go. Listen, there you go. Phillies stayed well, for 222. I prediction, Bill, of 90 wins for the <laughs> Phillies. I came three shy, so, and if they had done something against the Cubs, I would have hit that number. Well, I just think they're going uh, to march into St. Louis and win two games in there. Billy, That'd before be we lose your intelligence in the National Football League, uh, how about those birds? We talked about them a couple of times earlier this year when you were on with us. Uh, they've gotten off to that 4-0 start that uh, a lot of people thought they would. They thought Minnesota would be the only tough game, and Minnesota's played well in games that they didn't play with the Eagles, but I guess the Eagles they did not play very well, and the Eagles have jumped right out. Well, the only concern I have, Don, is the injuries. They were beset with injuries <laughs> Jordan Mailata goes down. We don't know. Uh, the Eagles don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. Isaac Ciamalo went down. The right guard. They don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. Jake Elliott, their outstanding place kicker, is questionable, and as is Darius Slay. So injuries could be a real factor, and that that's what cause for concern. I mean, everybody has their Super Bowl hats and and banners and all that <laughs> stuff. I think we get those. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves with all that. I mean, they played very, very good football in the first four weeks of the season. With the exception, I'm going to say the Detroit game was not a real good game. The last three weeks they've been playing very, very solid football. But Especially again, after the first half, all the fumbles and stuff in the first half. They played very well right. after that. Well, but the thing is, I, I just think that this will be a tough game in the air, in the desert. It's going to be a tough game in the desert because – uh, this team, you don't know about this uh, Arizona Cardinals team. They've got uh, the young kid, Kyler Murray. They've got a tough running back. They've got some very good, solid receivers, and their defense is not. So the Eagles have got to take care of business and take care of business very quickly. Roger? You know, talking about Murray, uh, I know in his contract initially, uh, they he had to spend what was it four and a half hours or something like that daily studying the uh, the, the playbook and everything, and they took that out of the contract. I guess there were some protests about it and everything, but uh, it just reminded him me of uh, AI. Uh, it's practice. It's only practice, you know. <laughs> where it wasn't well, Don, uh, Roger, here's what I'll interject on that. If you have to tell a player that you have to spend X amount of hours in the tape room or the, uh, in the batting cage or working at your trade, isn't that an indictment of the young man that he's oh, not taking his job ter- seriously? He's just taking it a is. big paycheck. You have to want to be there. Peyton Manning was there at 6 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, his day off, it would not leave that facility 
until 10 o'clock at night. They actually had to chase him out of the facility in Indianapolis. They said, Peyton, that's enough, enough. But a guy has to be told, come on, he's not being paid $11.14 an hour. He's being paid a lot of money. And his responsibility is to his teammates and and the people that pay the freight. Well, the Dallas Cowboys have made a nice recovery. Uh, Their dirt went down. Uh, Are they as good as they have appeared to be the last three weeks? Uh, uh, are they right there with the Eagles? Is it going to be a two-team race to the wire? Well, I, I think the Cowboys are a good team, but I think the Eagles are a better team when they're healthy. That is the key, when they are healthy. Now, that's the big factor. Now, of course, you mentioned the Cowboys lost Dak, Dak Prescott with that broken finger, but I, I think the Eagles are a better team uh, personnel-wise. Not by a lot, but I think they're a better team. I think the Cowboys will make some noise, but I think the Eagles can take care of them. I think the Eagles are one of the top three teams in the NFC right now. Anybody surprise you so far? Not really, Don. I mean, right now you're you're trying to get a handle on who's going to be where and who's going to make the first step forward. The one surprise is the Rams. They really struggled out of the gate. But again, uh, remember when Tampa Bay won that Super Bowl a few years ago? At, at the, after 12 games, they were only seven and five, and then they went on that roll and went into the, the Super Bowl and beat Kansas City. Right. Hey, hey Bill, getting back to that game on Sunday, but uh, on the, the Jaguars, of course, a lot of us are Doug Peterson fan, and uh, uh, you know, it was sad that uh, the way he was let go, but. Uh, he really, I think, has improved Trevor Lawrence, even though he had all those uh, fumbles with the wet ball and everything. But uh, it had to be uh, great to see the way Doug was received by the fandom. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And and uh, what did you think? I think the Jaguars, are a t- they're young, and they're a team that uh, I think will just continue to get better. What do you think? Absolutely. And, and you look what they did in the draft. They they have Josh Allen, one linebacker, number 41. Devin Lloyd out of Utah was a legitimate first rounder. They got him late in the first round. And their number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. They mm-hmm. have three outstanding young linebackers. And Olakon, the kid from Yale, five-year veteran, stabilizes that whole defense. I think this team is one to be reckoned with. Maybe not this year. I think they could win their division because their division's mm-hmm. wide open. But I, I really believe Doug Peterson will get this team playing at a very high level. I think uh, even with all the controversy and the coach that he fired and everything else, I think From a think from a drafting standpoint, Billy, uh, uh, Jacksonville really did a pretty good job. I mean, uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, very unfortunate things happened last year, midway through the season and at the end. But uh, it seems like they do have a basis to work with. They do. They have a good foundation, Don. And I'll tell you one thing. Urban Meyer should not be on television. This guy no. is a complete Amen. farce. This guy <laughs> tried to ruin a franchise. I mean, you know, this guy is the most overrated guy in, in, in football today. Urban Meyer. 
Oh, he's a genius. Yeah, really? Ohio State, I could get uh, uh, a lady off the street to coach the team because they have so much talent. All right? But, you know, when he, when he had to really coach, he didn't. He showed he couldn't coach. So I hope he – I mean, Fox to give him that job again, that, that was – that was despicable, in my opinion. Couldn't agree with but, you more, Bill. Absolutely. Uh, you know, talking but every about place, Ohio. Go ahead, Don. No, I was just gonna say every place that he's gone from the first from his first coaching assignment, he, he's been criticized for exactly the same things. He keeps winning until he got to Jacksonville. He didn't win this time, but I mean, he did everything in the world wrong, and yet he came out smelling like a rose. He, he did, and, and the one thing he's always looking for is next opportunity. Absolutely, right? and that's one thing. And, and even TV, like though, they keep bringing it back. Why would you bring him back to be on TV? I don't know. I, what does he bring to the table? He's about as, as exciting as watching you you put your shoes on, Don. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Roger. Well, I'm, Mike Schultz. Mike Schultz going to be a, Mike Schultz going to be a little late, so. I'm going to ask Billy to hold on with us for another four or five minutes. But uh, yeah. go ahead, Roger. No, that, I, I agree. I don't get it with a lot of these people that they uh, they have put back on TV. I mean, uh, it, it's just it's, it's, you wonder. You just uh, wonder what the heck is going on. Who is making these uh, selections? I mean, you know, I'm not a big fan of Chris Collinsworth's son. Okay, but he's he's the the son of Chris Collinsworth, so he's going to get a a, a great job on the pregame show. I mean, but and I'm not just singling him out. It's just what you were you guys were saying about and you know. But the the thing that with Urban Meyer that amazed Roger, me, Roger, I'll just interrupt you. Sims has the same situation with his dad, so you, you know that's part of the business now. Well, yeah, it, you're right. It, it is. It, it's nepotism to the nth degree. But the uh, uh, the thing that, that got me about Meyer, I couldn't believe that he ever did it when he stayed in uh, when they were playing out in Ohio last year. The Bengals. Cleveland, the Bengals. The Bengals. Yeah, Cincinnati, and he stayed because he went to a steakhouse in Columbus, right? And plus, he went to a strip club afterwards, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, maybe the steaks weren't cooked too well. <laughs> There's a line there, Don. I'm gonna stay away from it. Billy, let me let me throw one let me throw one last question at you, Billy. How would you like to be part of the Nebraska organization with their head coach, with their offensive and defensive coordinators, and they're in the Big Ten? How would you like to be a part of that school? Well, Don, I'm going to tell you something right now. Nebraska, I, I did games in Nebraska back in the day when it was Nebraska football, big-time football. You look at Nebraska, and you look at these other schools. Do you know how much money they paid in buyouts? There's been five major college coaches fired. you know how much money they paid in buyouts? $65 million. Right. Where are they getting this money from? Television. When is television going to wise up and say, hey, you know, we cannot continue to pay these I'm, I Because, no. it, you know, it's it's just getting totally out of control. Well, it is getting out of control. Yeah. And, uh, you, you just go off to Rutgers and look at the money that they've spent. 
you know, first of all, getting into the Big Ten is, uh, you know, just way, way, way over their heads. And, and you know, he was a good coach the first time he came to Rutgers, and uh, uh, he's probably still a pretty good coach. But can you recruit well enough at Rutgers with the academic requirements there to compete with Ohio State, with Michigan, and some of these other schools? You can't, you can't do it. Don, you have to uh, lighten your restrictions up if you want to compete with the big boys. And, of course, right. they're going to sell and, and they're going to sell Rutgers as the New York market, which it is. And they're going to, <laughs> with this NIL, they'll be able to get some players that normally they wouldn't have gotten. So it's going to be interesting to see what Rutgers does in the next three years with the NIL name, image, and likeness. I, I think that, you know, Again, they'll they'll play the New York market, and that'll be the key. Well, let me you know, uh, Bill, let's before. let's wind this, Bill, Roger, let's wind this up, and and uh, you guys pick. Uh, uh, Billy has already picked the Phillies to win out there in St. Louis. Uh, any of the other teams you think there may be an upset that you'd like to touch on before we let Billy go? You know, you know, one team I'm I'm interest, interested to watch the Cleveland Guardians. They are a good young baseball baseball team. They're and under well the radar. Managed. Well managed, well managed, my boy. Well managed by Francona. And they may be a team that's going to be a factor uh, in October. I, I agree with that's you. I, I think they are. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think I, uh, uh, Francona is a tremendous manager. Absolutely. Well, he's proven in it. He's proven it now with a bunch of Billy, thank you so very, very much. I really appreciate you Donnie, saying that. Donnie, time for you and Roger. Roger the Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bill. You're the best. Right. Bye-bye. Take, take care, take partner. Care. Say hello to everybody Bye. for us. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Absolutely. Donald. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Thanks, Billy. You too. All, all right, Roger. Okay. We'll hold it here for a little bit. Frank tells me Mike uh, is having some trouble uh, uh, with us tonight. So, uh uh, well, we got Shane uh, Hendler with us, Don. Mike well, that's what, I'm gonna, yeah. that's what I'm going to say. I'm, we want you to we want you to introduce this. Go do it. Okay. Well, listen, Zane. Welcome to the show. How how are you? Good. Thank Thank you for having me. Okay, great. Well, uh, tell us. Uh, you know, you're you're doing a radio show on the uh, student station at Ridley Township High School in suburban Philadelphia. And uh, tell everybody exactly how this were, uh, uh, how this started your career in broadcasting, and you're uh, enjoying it, and you're looking to expand it. I think it's a great story. Go ahead, tell everybody how it started. Uh, okay, so my friend joined this uh, radio club because my school has like a bunch of radio clubs. So. And then I just I thought that it would be interesting to just join. Then I found out like it was like this process and stuff and I got my first show and I just loved it. It was great. I had so well, much fun. Good. And tell us about the show. You played music and exactly how does that work? Um, I so I I connect my uh computer to this like they have a whole elaborate studio and I connect I put Spotify on there and just they make me have a – I have a playlist that I have to create and stuff. Well, tell about – you told me about the playing the Beach Boys. Oh, yeah, I, I played the – I yeah, they I, – I have some themes. I played the Beach Boys. Um, 
one week, and then I had uh, a playlist for the Beatles this week. Hey, one thing Roger hasn't my... told us yet. How old are you? I'm 14 years old. 14. Okay, Roger. Yeah, he's he's a freshman at Beverly. Uh, the uh, you're 15 in November, right? Uh, no, I am 15 in June. Oh, oh, you are okay. I was thinking, I well, is Reese That's in my November? Brother. My brother's birthday. Is That's it. Yeah, Reese is in. Okay, so you'll be 15, and then so basically, in a, in uh, about a year and nine months, you're going to have a license which will really uh, be great for you, maybe not great for your mom and dad at times, but uh, that, that's great. But So this is your freshman year, and do, is, does the station broadcast uh, a lot of hours, Zane, or is it uh, limited? Uh, they brought, they, so they have days where the students, like, play music, but then when they're not there, they play, put it on automation. Oh, okay. And, and and what's the frequency? Ninety four five, I think. Oh, ninety four point nine nine FM. Ninety four point nine FM. Ninety four point nine FM, and uh, you know we uh, we all are uh, know the Philadelphia area, and uh, my high school uh, has the oldest uh, ra- student radio station in the country, WHHS. And uh, I know uh, you see you made it, and I didn't, because I auditioned <laughs> to do our high school basketball games, and a guy that I wasn't the best friends with got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> congratulations! What are some of the? Uh, the uh, I know you were also talking, telling me about you like physical science in school, right? Yeah, that's cause my my teacher's like very nice. She's understanding well i'll tell you what that always uh helps and uh i had uh middle school uh today with uh, th- uh six band classes and i gotta tell you when i left i was drained but uh <laughs> you know you're talking here to uh, frank carroll who's our executive producer and also don henderson who is a hall of fame broadcaster sportscaster your your dad knows all about him so go ahead, Don. You take it over or ask Zane whatever you want. Well, I'm just glad to see you got yourself, uh, you got your foot in the door and you're really enjoying it. That's the biggest thing. If you can continue yeah. to do the things that you like to do, it's not work. It's not. It's all pleasure. So just continue to do what you're doing. Enjoy it. Have a lot of fun. And have fun with the people that work with you. Thank you very much. Zane, let me ask you this. Does the station do uh, any of your uh, uh, football games or maybe basketball games when you get into the uh, that season? Um, I mean, they do. They make us, like, do funding announcements. I guess they, like, also make us – like, I guess we would announce, like, an upcoming game or something. I'm pretty sure. I'm not fully sure. Like, we would announce – I don't think I would be, like, announcing for the game, but I think we were announcing, like, to, like, warn people about the game. Okay. Oh, that's good. And they do ask for uh, solicitations for the station. So they're obviously – What time time are you on? What time do you broadcast? Uh, I'm on for – 
like three. I think it's like three fifteen or three twenty-five to like four. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. He's only been in school a little over a month, and uh, he's he's on the air, so he's doing a good job. Really proud of you. Proud of all of you, all of your brother and your sister and you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, listen, give my love to everybody and uh, continued success, and uh, we'll be uh, following your career, Zane. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you for being on with us. It was great to hear you. Go ahead. Thank thank you for having me. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, that's how it all begins, Don. (laughs) Yes, it does. No question about it. And, and, you know, it just sounds like he's really enjoying himself, getting uh, 25, 30 minutes in every day, uh, uh, you know, one year. It's a great start for a young man that's 50 years old. He'll have a lot of fun with that. Well, you know, what what gets me is when you hear these terms, I know, Frank, uh, you hear the same thing because you got the grandchildren there, like Spotify, Spotify, okay? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I – Well, Frank, your grandson, your grandson graduated right along the line. He started out with you very early, and now uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, most people don't realize it. This show is done not just on Wednesday night with us, but it's also done throughout the rest of the week. And uh, your grandson and your, your youngest son get very much involved in it, Frank. Yeah, we have uh, have an all hair all hell hair uh, program that the boys do. Uh, it's uh, 50s, 60s, and 80s music, uh, and then they have another genre. They they do uh, um, sometimes they'll do heavy metal. In fact, we're going to get uh, get Zane. Uh, Hooked up with the boys and they can talk and see if uh, how they can work it out if he can if he wants to join their uh, their group. And, uh, talking about joining, um, we have a young man that's uh, um, outstanding voice in the city of Philadelphia and uh, a big man no matter where he goes. Uh, Mr. Tom Lemaine is with us. Tom, nice to have you with us. As always, you're following. You're following. Roger's grandson. That, I'll tell you, we're really getting old, Tommy. We're following grandchildren now. Nice, nice to have you with us. I do have a tough time. Uh, I skip a whole generation. When I see uh, some guys in the police department or the fire department in Atlantic City, I said, you know, your dad and my dad were good friends. And they'll tell me, no, 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 you mean my grandfather. <laughs> I, I just jump right over a generation. <laughs> well, well, Tommy, a lot of things going on. We're obviously talking a lot of baseball tonight, a lot about the Philadelphia Phillies. You worked for the, the Philadelphia Sports Department for such a long period of time, radio and television. And uh, we we go with the Flyers because you're every single game for the Flyers. But uh, let's let's go to the playoffs now and see what your viewpoint is of the St. Louis Cardinals, Philadelphia Phillies, three game series at Bush. Nothing at uh, Citizens Bank Park. Well, I, it's um, it's better than the one and done thing they had last year. Uh, but right. you know, I have no I have no uh, problem with that. I mean, the Cardinals earned the uh, three home games, and uh, you know the Phillies earned to be in the playoffs. So that's where it stands, and I, I'm good with that. And um, as is the case most of the time when you're talking about playoffs, 
who's got the best pitchers and uh, who's going to have the best pitchers at the at this time. I think uh, it seems like Philly's two number one and two starters are peaking at the right time. Uh, you know, uh, Nola almost throws a perfect game the other night, and uh, you know it's uh, it's it's all about pitching. But you know, for a while there was the case of the Phillies having to outscore the other team. But the uh, what they call the daycare came in, which is all the young kids, and they've kind of plugged the holes, believe it or not, and have uh, taken on what normally is take uh, responsibility that's taken on by veterans. And uh, several times uh, during the season, the Phillies were able to start an entire infield of all farm guys that came up through the farm system. That's a that's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good accomplishment right there. And, um, you know, who is playing better baseball than uh, Rio Muto? I mean, <laughs> he throws out everybody who tries to steal, and he himself is perfect stealing base. That's unheard of for a catcher. And uh, it's, uh, it's a big, big plus for the catcher. As you, can tell him, as you can tell, I'm at a basketball game. The Sixers are playing the Cleveland Cavaliers in a preseason game tonight. How are the Sixers looking, Tom? Well, they only played the starters for about 15 minutes, and they're all sitting down now. Uh, however, they um, they did give up 60 points in the first half. Uh, you're not going to win too many games doing that. And now the scrubs are in there. But I still think the Sixers are the team to beat in the East. Um, I think Milwaukee is just about flatlined. There's a lot of drama going on in uh, Boston now to think, you know, Philadelphia had drama last year, but I think they're over that. And uh, the, I think the Sixers picked up a real uh, big key piece in P.J. Tucker. I mean, he, I always said, boy, if the Sixers could have this guy, he's a difference maker. And uh, Harrell is now the backup for uh, Embiid. Who is pro- Harrell's probably the best backup guy the Sixers have had, you know, uh, over the last couple of years to back up Embiid. And, um, you know, I, I really uh, – the team I'm looking at out here right now, I think, is the team to beat. But the other team I'm looking at, Cleveland Cavaliers, don't count them out. They, I think they, they improved their, their record last year by 25 games, and I can see them improving their record this year by maybe another five or ten games. And right now I'm looking at – I was. They're all sitting down now. But there's, there are three all-star guards playing in this game. And, you know, when it comes to an all-star – team, the, the biggest competition probably is at guard. But you got Damian Litter, you got Garland, and you got Tyrese Maxey. You know, I'll tell you what, you're, you're picking up, you're making a choice of any one of those three guys. It's pretty much a toss-up. Well, I still think there's a lot of uncertainty in Brooklyn, too. I, uh, You know, Brooklyn has, has a lot of talent, uh, if you look at it on paper. Uh, whether they're going to be able to put it all together or not, and uh, whether everybody's going to be able to play both home and away and uh, and finally get over uh, the difficulty they've had with Nash and with the general manager. Uh, I, I think Brooklyn will be heard of before the season's over. Yes, and I think uh, I think Ben Simmons will be a difference maker. I, I think he's going to have a breakout year this year. Uh, he's got all his mental problems squared away. Uh, even if he doesn't shoot, he's still got to put up triple doubles like he did when he was here in Philadelphia. And uh, I think uh, other than that, Tom, you're right. The Brooklyn Nets are just about the same team they were last year. Just one right. 
Ben Simmons. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, you know, a healthy uh, JD. I mean, uh, KD. Uh, it, it's a very competitive division. But I think the Sixers are going to be right in there in the team. Roger. The, uh, you know, let's get over to uh, ice hockey, Tom. Uh, Flyers up and down a little bit during the preseason and uh, opening night, I think, is the uh, couple of nights, right, this weekend? Is it? Yep. Yes. And, and how do they look? Uh, right. How do they look overall? I mean, uh, with the new coach, Tortorella, uh, do you think that uh, they w- will really turn it around and be a surprise team or not? Well, they got to be better. They can't be any worse. Uh, but True. right now, I, I I can't. They're having trouble scoring. I mean, there is a two to one, three to two, one to nothing. Um, but you know, they don't have a they don't have a sniper. I was talking to Paul Holmgren last night, and I said, Paul, how many years have we been trying to get a sniper on this team? And we agreed there might be. Um, you know, uh, Tibbet Tibbet seems to be the guy that is probably the best shot on the team. There's too many guys out right now. They haven't played. Uh, Farabee, uh, Couturier, uh, and the two goalies, Felix Sandstrom and Hart, have not played, and Farabee is injured. But I, uh, you know, and you know, Cam Atkinson hasn't played the preseason. So there's, there's a half a dozen pretty good names that, you know, a good part of these guys were out last year. Uh, I'm, I really, I really am doubtful that Sean Couturier will play again. I know that uh, Ellis. The big defenseman, they went out and set it up again. He will not play again. But, you know, you're going to count on the young kids uh, once again with the uh, Flyers to uh, take the load. Um, you know, you got Kevin Hayes and Scotty Lawton. Either one of those two guys will probably be the captain this year. Uh, Megan, Morgan Frost, uh, Allison, who is a dynamo player. I, uh, you know, it's you – know, I, one thing I, I, I listen to what um, – Lazarus was with Delaney when uh, he was a free agent, and there were three or four teams, maybe four teams going after him, and the price was the same on all four teams, like five, five and a half million. And he chose Philadelphia because he said, getting back to what you just mentioned, he thinks the uh, Flyers are the one team that can make the big turnaround, and that's why he decided to sign with Philadelphia. And, you mm. know, Rasmus Ristolainen is not, he's not an analytics He's not going to fill the uh, scorecard on athletics, but he is a he is a force on the ice. When he's on the ice, other players are looking out for him. And when you're looking out for a guy over, excuse me, looking for a guy over your shoulder, that affects the way you play. And uh, I always like Rasmus. I may be the only guy in Philly left who does. Uh, I'm glad he's on the team. Bye, D. I'm just sat next to D. Lineham here, and uh, he. Uh, he chose to play for Philadelphia. So, in answer to your question, Rod, uh, yeah, they can they can make the biggest turnaround of any well, team. Too. However, they're, they're in a division. I mean, I can't believe the Islanders played as bad as they did last year. So, they're going to be a team. They played the Flyers last night here, and they're too good a team to be to have the kind of record they had last year. And I was I just going to say, let me, let me interrupt for a minute, Tommy, because you're talking about the team, and I – was going to jump right on when you finished talking about the Flyers because uh, I think the Islanders who did so well two years ago and then died a woodpecker's death, but they played, remember, the first 12, 13 games of the right. season last year, 
in a neutral zone. They had no stadium to play in, and 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 they've already signed. They've already signed Basel for what seventy two seventy three point two million dollars. So uh, they're they're moving forward by spending money, and they're going to be a tough team to beat. I believe so. Uh, I really do. Uh, they looked good to me last night. It's Seventy-three million, good. Tommy. Seventy-three million. Well, and he didn't even play last night. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'll say, hey, he, uh, I just like I said, the Islanders were too good to uh, have the record they had last year, and the Rangers are a very much improved team. I think the change in coach made a difference there, and uh, you know it's a very competitive division they're in. Right, Roger. Uh, what about uh, Carter Hart? Uh, do you think that he'll be okay? Uh, the uh, I I think he will. I think if he gets some uh, help, uh, I think he's really a good goalie. Are you with me on that? I am. Uh, but they do have a good. I mean, I like the way Felix Sandstrom has played as backup. Um, He's looking pretty good. Did they shore the defense, Tommy? Did they shore the defense? Well, with uh, Rasmus and, uh, and yeah, if York, I mean, the coach has a lot of confidence in Cam York. Uh, okay. Who a couple of years ago. Uh, but I think, you know, the, they got to score, and the Flyers are not scoring. I mean, they don't have a guy who can go in there and get you the goal they need when they need it. And, uh, you know, when you have Couturier out and uh, Farabee out, you know, there's two guys who, you know, Farabee was the best scorer on the team. I mean, they got to score. And you, you're not going to win games scoring one or two goals a game. Uh, not in this league anyway. Uh, Morgan Trump, well, the lightning, the, lightning went through, the lightning just went through the motions to start, too. They lost their first three, didn't score any goals. And, but, you know, they're, they're, when the season starts, they're going to be ready to play. about uh, on a lighter subject not it's not involved in sports but when we were talking earlier about uh uh you know uh Meyer and and uh these uh, different people Tom that get recycled in TV they were talking about on the morning show I guess it was this morning that I guess yesterday last night uh, the two uh meteorologists for competing stations had the same dress on so it's amazing how different subjects have infiltrated the sports talk business. Well, that's, that's a good reason why I'm not there anymore. 
<laughs> Tom, let's let's go back to the NBA for let's go back yeah, to the NBA for a minute because I just believe that they have a stained they have a stained product they have a stained product. I mean, you, you, we we that? talked about the we talked about the four or five teams that that look like they're going to be really competitive this year, going from Brooklyn to whatever team you want, Boston, Philadelphia, uh, whatever. But is the sport, is the NBA going to be able to recapture the imagination of a sports fan again? They've just lost the game. Well, you know, the players are, you know, the inmates are ruling the asylum. And, you know, that's what the problem is. You know, you, you can't latch on to a player anymore because he demands, you know, well, I put it this way. You know, Philadelphia Flyers, everybody, Everybody here thought they should have made every effort. Arguably the best player in hockey, Johnny Goudreau. He was from here. He would have been an instant star, and they didn't get him. But getting back to your point, Don, when LeBron James wants to play somewhere, he plays there. And when he wants players to play with him, he gets them. Tom Brady, when he wants to play somewhere, he goes where he wants to play, and he brings players along with him to play there. Uh, yeah, you know, he, and but Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper wanted to play in Philadelphia. He played in Philadelphia. I mean, this is the only case, Johnny Gaudreau, I'm talking about, where the number one player in the league, for the most part, wants to play in a town and is not able to do so. I, you know, I know the cap space and all that. The Flyers should have made every possible way to get Johnny Gaudreau. And they didn't, and I think Johnny Gaudreau is going to mean five or 8,000 more fans in the seats every night. And God knows that's what the Flyers need because their attendance is way down. Yeah, they need to get people on the seats. No doubt. Well, Tommy, we'll, we'll, we'll periodically go back and forth with you every few weeks so you can update the Flyers as well as the National Hockey League. You see all the games. We don't. I see a number of them here, of course, in uh, in Tampa with the Lightning, but I don't get a chance to see the Flyers like I used to. So uh, we'll we'll cover the Flyers, we'll cover the Lightning, we'll cover the National Hockey League, and uh, <clears throat> we don't really have a, a great deal of interest other than the Magic, and they're a few miles away from us. So the NBA does not get a lot of coverage down here in Sarasota and Tampa, to right. tell you the truth. And uh, but well, thank you very well, much, Tommy, and we'll do it again in a few weeks. Okay, Tom, Tom. have a great Thanks, day, Tom. great week. Take care. Thank you. Stay trip home, Tom. All right. I think Frank said Steve was ready. Is that correct, Frank? No, Doug is ready. Oh, Doug, Doug is, ready. is ready. Oh, okay. Doug, Doug is, is ready. ready. That's great. I'm uh, ready. Well, Doug, Doug, I'm, I'm, I'm glad Doug is. Uh, I'm very, very happy that he's coming out of his shell to talk to us after that game on Sunday. <laughs> He had to go to he had to go to sleep with stars in his eyes and wake up with uh, something else. <laughs> Doug, what's going on down here in Baltimore, Washington? Right. Well, it's. I told Frank. I said it's finally not raining here, and uh, you know, it's um, that hurricane that just blew up here has just made a mess. You know, all across from from Florida all the way up. So, um, you know, nice day today. Um, you know, won a game today. Baltimore won a game today. Yeah, they won the first one. They lost the second one. But um, you know, most of their most of the the guys they gave rest to the second game. Uh, Mullins didn't play. Rutschman didn't play. Mountcastle didn't play. Um, you know, so I think 
you know, they exceeded all expectations this year. Um, you know, having a winning season for the first time in, I don't know, five years, six years, whatever it's been. Um, right. So, you know, it was uh, it was a fun year. It was, it was good for them to, uh, you know, play some good baseball and, and finally put a decent product on the field for the fans. And uh, I think, you know, gosh, they were wrapping up the game already talking about uh, going to Sarasota for spring training. So I think there's some optimism and, and hope looking forward. Um, you know, by and large, the last – Five years. Uh, if you're a Oriole fan, you're, you've you've turned the, the Orioles off at this point, or long before this point, and uh, we're rooting for the Ravens. And um, it was nice to watch them play from start to finish. You know, all 162 games. It was great. One point of the Ravens. Uh, I only saw the highlights. So I didn't see the game because uh-huh. it was was a telecast down here in Florida. But. Uh, yeah. I, I did see Harbaugh's explanation. I don't know that I understood it exactly for not kicking the field goal. Uh, what, what was the observation of the press in Baltimore uh, when he decided not to kick the field goal and went up losing the game? Well, I, um, I think I used a choice four-letter word as I was watching it um, <laughs> in my living room. I just, you know, you're a hero, obviously, if you scored the touchdown there. And I think his explanation was surrounding you know, the, the the point of, you know, basically the Bills are a good football team, and if we score a touchdown there, you know, there's a real good chance if if for some reason the Bills score, we can get it into overtime. And, and um, I don't know, he may have mentioned something about analytics or something of that nature, but, you know, it's, it's the same song and dance as last year when how many times did he go for two-point conversions to, you know, win the game outright and um, – I don't know. I guess as a fan, you get all the way down there, and it's unfortunate you don't score a touchdown. But I feel like you have to come away with three points, and you know, you come close to scoring a touchdown. It wasn't even. I mean, it wasn't even. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's (laughs) Lamar rolled out to the right and and kind of got hemmed up there and just threw it up for grabs and right was was probably just a little. You know, his. If he would have been maybe just a smidge sooner, or if you actually watched the play, that last play back, uh, there was a guy to his left that was wide open that he couldn't see because he was moving to his right. Um, unfortunately, that was a, an easy touchdown. But again, as a fan, I think it's grown tiresome to to take this riverboat approach to all these situations of you know trying to win games outright and control what you can control. And I think that, I mean, if their defense has struggled, I think, obviously, in their, their two losses, giving up points to the Dolphins and to the Bills, respectively. But um, you go up three points there, you kick it off, and you take your chances with your defense to bend, not break, and you know make them drive down. And I think the same rule applies if they kick a field goal, you you go into overtime. Um, right. You know, so it's it's disappointing. I mean, they looked so good in that first half, and. You know, as a fan, I think you're watching that and really liking the fact that the Bills are really a good football team and that we're, you know, going into to the locker room with a 20-3 to and, you know, have a chance to, you know, come back and, and uh, impose your will upon them and, and hopefully, you know, win a football game. And it just didn't happen. And I don't know if there's growing pains with, with their defensive coordinator that's the brand-new guy or whether this is still a – concept of injuries that are plaguing them. Um, they've lost already several people from their 
you know, from their starting squad. Um, so it's, I mean, <laughs> thankfully the Ravens play the fourth place schedule, uh, which, you know, means they play what, the, the Jags, the Giants, they already beat the Jets. I mean, some of these teams, hopefully that, that they can win, um, you know, thus far, um, you know, they're two and two. And I think that we'll, we'll see this weekend when they play the, the Bengals, um, Joe Burrow hasn't looked real good this year, but he has a multitude of options to throw the football to and, and add Joe Mixon in there. And they're pretty good offense and, and ones, you know, that we've struggled with in terms of being able to cover. I mean, Jamar Chase is such a good wide receiver and T Higgins and, and Boyd are just, you know, um, uh, what's the, the tight end that used to be on the, on the Ravens. Um, I think can't think of his name, but, uh, he, um, you know, they just he has so many options to throw to him, and the only the only good part is his offensive line hasn't done a very good job protecting him. But again, that's not a strength of the Ravens as far as getting to the quarterback. So, um, you know, if you put the onus on our secondary to cover for for too long, I think we're going to have a problem again. And um, you know, the whole division looks pretty daggone weak. I mean, the Steelers don't look very good. The Browns are an average football team. Um, so it's up for grabs, and I think that. You know, if we keep winning the games we're supposed to win, uh, at the end of the day, I think we have a chance. So we'll see. Roger? Hey, hey Doug, a couple of things. Uh, number one, you've just made the point I was thinking about. this. The Steelers do not look like uh, the normal Steelers from what I've seen. And, and I don't know whether they'll uh, turn it around or whether this is just going to be one of those years. I remember Bill Gower mm-hmm. had one. And and then what the next year or two years they won the Super Bowl. So right. uh, that organization is really strong. We were talking to Bill Warrendell earlier, uh, and you mentioned about uh, the uh, the Ravens playing Jacksonville. Don't mm-hmm. uh, count Jacksonville out. Uh, right. And that's Bill and I feel the same way. They are really, I think, they mm-hmm. are going to be the surprise team. Uh, you know, yeah. in that, uh, especially in that division. Uh, but the other thing is, correct me if I'm wrong, I saw Harbaugh's press conference. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't he bring up the mm-hmm. analytics situation mm-hmm. in that press conference about yeah, why? Um, and that was, Don, to your uh, question about mm-hmm. the field goal. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I didn't watch. I mean, it was circulated. Um, I saw you know, pieces, parts of it, but uh, he did mention, uh, the analytics, uh, concept in there. I don't, um, I don't know what was fully said, but I mean, I, I don't know whether that was supportive of his decision and with regard to the fact that it didn't work and, and that's what, you know, he's gonna, you know, rest himself upon, uh, or not. Um, you know, in many cases when you're managing a football game like that, I think a lot of it comes down to, um, just pure gut feeling. I mean, I think that he's pretty locked in with Lamar as his quarterback and, and likes his confidence and his abilities to make plays when it counts, uh, particularly, you know, the fourth and shorts that he tames um, in critical situations where, you know, maybe it's not the best of ideas with regard to where you are on the field and, and maybe a short field that you would give him if you don't make it. Um you know, those two-point conversions that he talked about, you know, last year, um, obviously with the banged-up squad, I think he was hoping to just make one play and, and ride off into the sunset knowing that his team was, you know, not in the best of positions with, with their overall health and uh, ability to field, you know, players. Um, you know, to your point, I think the 
the Steelers um, are going to go with their, their rookie quarterback. I think that um, they have some problems offensively. They've lost T.J. Watt, which is a huge loss. Um, you know, talking about Jacksonville, um, they've had an infusion of some young talent with the draft and, and some off-season maneuvers they've made. So they're definitely a, a better football team uh, this year than – And the coach. Um, well, and I also think – And their, quarterback, their quarterbacks have got a year under his belt. Yeah, I mean, you're right. early on in the season with four games played, I think, you know, you're, you're looking for some different headlines. I think that, um, you know, the Eagles are 4-0, and you know, you can say what you want to about maybe how they've won or who they've played or, or whatever, but they're 4-0. The Lions have to be a surprise um, in terms of the amount of points they're scoring and, and what their offense looks like. Um, you know, you could probably look the other way and say, you know, the Bengals are, you know, a disappointment. Um, you know, playing in the Super Bowl last year. I think uh, Arizona's looked pretty pathetic so far. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's it's We're going to find season. out this weekend. We're going to find yeah. out about yeah. Arizona this weekend. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles, yes. too, this weekend. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes several weeks, you know, before you start talking about, you know, who's separating themselves. Um, you know, you look at the commanders don't, look very good um the giants are the giants um they they just you know that's a you know Dak prescott's still out the cowboys are are trying to hold their head above water i mean i think you've got a lot of weaker divisions that you know the falcons don't look very good um you know there's the saints don't look very good houston doesn't look very i mean there's you know in a couple of weeks i think you'll see some of the cream start to rise to the top with people figuring out where they are in their divisions and, and how they're playing. And, you know, you've had a multitude of injuries, you know, already um, guys going down or missing time. You'll see it Thursday night when you have the Colts, um, you know, Taylor's such a good running back and, you know, he's not going to play. Um, Russell Wilson doesn't look super comfortable in, in a Broncos Jersey um, in terms of what I've seen. And uh, they lost their starting running back, Javante Williams, um, torn ACL. So, I mean, there's a lot of storylines, I think, that, that will present themselves. Injuries always are, are one of them. Um, you know, once we start the getting Rams, the Rams, the Rams got Rams got to be a little disappointing up to this moment, too. They're very disappointing so far. Tampa Bay doesn't look, look that good. No. Um, you know, I think you – you know, Tom Brady's got some off-field issues you're hearing – you know, splattered across the news. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, playing an effect on, on his on-field or not, but um, it, Tampa Bay doesn't look very good. So, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of parity, I think, in, in this year's NFL. Well, I think they, you know, we talked about it, talked about it, talked about it without the, you know, exhibition season and without the pads or all the things. It takes them four or five games before a team actually gets into what they consider to be NFL football. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for the reps that a lot of these players get in practice. Um, you know, whether you're a a starter or a second stringer or, or whatever, um, you know, it's it's a big deal, um, you know, for these guys to go through their practice and their reps and, and to get – situated with whether it's, you know, rookies that have joined the team or, or off-season acquisitions uh, that are trying to gel and, and perform on field with timing and all these different things. So, um, you know, you look at the Ravens, they have a rookie center, um, 
you know, and that that's one of the most important things you can talk about is the exchange between, you know, and he's calling the shots on the line in, in terms of, you know, which way guys are going and blocking and, and who's doing what. Um, you know, there's a lot going on there. I mean, they had J.K. Dobbins looked good last week. Um, he was explosive, but, you know, behind him isn't a whole lot with, with uh, Mike Davis and Kenyon Drake and uh, Gus Edwards is still out. He's got a couple weeks to get himself, you know, going with practice time and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, two and two. We'll see what happens moving forward. Roger? Hey, Doug, uh, get, you know, getting back to the Ravens' defense, Wink Martindale uh, was the defensive coordinator for uh, for mm-hmm. uh, Harbaugh, Harbaugh for several mm-hmm. years, right? Yeah, and, he was. And uh, then he was let go, okay, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Am yeah. I right about that? Yeah. That's correct. And, he's uh, I want, New York. Yeah, and he's with the Giants. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to tell you, he gets a lot of uh, positive uh, notoriety from the national media. And mm-hmm. wh- what's the story that, you know, uh, if they're having problems with the defense, they let mm-hmm. this guy who is considered, you know, top of the dial, so to speak, as the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, and uh, they let him go. Yeah, you know. Um, unfortunately, I think you'll, I mean, uh, Martindale, I believe is a pretty well-respected coach around the league for how he carries himself. He's a pretty old school stoic kind of guy that's, um, you know, um, put some dirt on it, get back in the game, kind of rough and tumble guy. That's going to tell you, you know, exactly what he's thinking and probably not mince very many words in the process. Um, I think he, mm-hmm. the guys that, that play defense for him, like him as, you know, a coach, um, you know, unfortunately, I think you see from time to time, you know, whether it's a, a political move or, or um, a scapegoat, if you will, uh, the Ravens lost, you know, all those games last year. And then I think, you know, I don't know how that stuff gets handed down from, from Bashati to whomever to whomever that comes to Harbaugh that says, hey, look, man, somebody's got to go. Um, you know, we need to, we need to make a change here. And it was either going to be Roman or Martindale. You know, and I think that the offense probably played better than the defense. So it looked like Martindale was out. I think I think Harbaugh, I don't know if it's just him, but every head coach has to have a certain chip on their shoulder that, you know, that makes them, you know, kind of own their football team. And, and, you know, it's possible their, their personalities may have clashed, um, you know, in terms of how they wanted to set up different schemes or call plays or do whatever. And, um, I guess maybe they had the run and that was enough. And Martindale was, you know, expendable. And, you know, he brings this guy in that coached uh, for his brother at university of Michigan. And he, you know, I mean, a lot of that was talent based. He had Ajabo and Hutchinson that were both potential. One was, you know, obviously a high first round pick. Ajabo probably would have been who landed with the Ravens who is hurt, but, you know, I think, um, it's going to take a couple of years to get the right players on the field to fit his scheme. I think, I think Martindale was more of a, a blitz heavy kind of a defensive minded coach that, you know, um, we, we don't have any pass rushers. So he had to create something through blitzes. And um, unfortunately that left a lot of our secondary on an Island. And, you know, either, either way you either way you draw it up, you're going to have to have the right personnel on the field. I mean, the Ravens haven't had a, you know, bona fide pass rusher since Terrell Suggs. Um, how many years ago was that? So, you know, they're they're struggling to find one now, and they you know, they just can't get to the quarterback. Um, well, the interesting part about it is, Doug, that the two games that they've lost, this one last week against the Bills, that you know, as you said, you go in the locker room at halftime, you see you got a 
pretty secure game uh, against one of the better teams yeah. in the league. And then mm-hmm. two weeks before that, you, you have a secure lead again, and uh, yeah. and you come up you come up short at the wire. Uh, you know that, that's that's got to be a little hard. That's a hard bullet to bite. I would agree. Um, and again, I think you're seeing at least what I saw in the Dolphins game was a lot of blown coverages. You know where they were playing zones that, um, you know somebody thought he had help behind him and he didn't, and he let the guy go, and that's where you that's where you saw Tua kind of throw it over the top. Well, what do you what do you what um, do you throw for? Four sixty eight or four sixty five in that game? Far too much. Um, you know there you know uh, Tyreek Hill is just he's such a good wide receiver, but he's so fast and he's elusive, and you, you just can't let him get past you because. Yeah, he's you know you can't throw it over that guy's head. Uh, so, um, you know you look at you look at uh, the Bills and and uh, what Josh Allen. I mean he's an MVP candidate every year. Um, you know he can do it with his with his feet and, and and make plays. You know in the pocket he can get out of the pocket and run. And he's a big guy and he's tough. And and um, you know we just you know Patrick Queen just looks thinking lost on the field. Um, you know you got. Peters and Humphrey coming back from um, injuries. You have, you know, the new draft pick, uh, Kyle Hamilton. I mean, there's, you know, they just don't, they're not a cohesive unit yet. And I think it's going to take some time to, to get that gelled, you know? So, Roger. Well, you know, I was, we were talking about uh, earlier about uh, the uh, coaching and pardon me. And I was thinking about, I'm a big bills fan. I really mm-hmm. think Sean McDermott's a great coach. And I was thinking back, and, uh, of course, Don, you'd remember this, too, because uh, you, you would be at games. The uh, It was Sean McDermott when Jim Johnson was the defensive coordinator. Steve Spagnola was the linebacker coach. And then you had some mm-hmm. others. Ron Rivera was in that group and everything. But Sean McDermott was the guy that sent in the defensive callings from Jim Johnson. And, uh, you know, all, all part of the Andy retreat. But as I mm-hmm. recall, Harbaugh, John, was uh, Andy made the defensive backfield coach to get him, give him some exposure uh, away mm-hmm. from uh, the, the special teams coordinator. And, mm-hmm. and I just look, I mean, at the success that they've had, but the uh, I I just you know I, I I think that you know if it ain't broke don't fix it right. and and I really think they made a mistake with Martindale I really do and I think uh, they're paying the price yeah I mean look I, I you know I can tell you um, you know Harbaugh's a pretty control oriented guy and it's kind of a his way or the highway mentality I think it makes sense that he you know, on one hand would, ego? would eliminate. Ego about yeah, that? Oh, 100%, 100%. And I think that, you know, I think, again, I think he had a personality clash with, with Martindale, and I think they kind of both mutually agreed that they should part ways. And it, it makes sense that he would go out and get a college defensive coordinator that he can, you know, pull some puppet strings on and, and um, you know, have him seat himself into a position that's, you know, not going to, you know, hurt his ego in the process. Um, you know, I think the next guy you're looking at is Roman. I mean, you know, I think that uh, it's going to be a similar situation with him if things don't work out this year. I think he's your next guy to go. 
Um, so, and then the next guy will be John Harbaugh. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's unfortunately the way it plays out at different points. But yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna vote everybody else off the island before you vote yourself off. You know, so. Well, yeah. Well, I can remember with the Falcons a number of years ago when I was over there all the time and was doing the show, local shows. The uh, it was interesting because uh, I got to know uh, several of the players. I mean, you know, pretty mm-hmm. well where you could have a one on one and uh, right uh, and and they knew it wasn't going to go any further. And uh, but what amazed me was they let a, a defensive coordinator go, and and he wound up you know a couple other places. But it was the players, and what they didn't like about him was his language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of the old days, okay? You right. know, when Don and Frank and I grew up, a language, Vince Lombardi mm-hmm. language, right. and that's <laughs> what it was. That that was causing the uh, undercurrent in the uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the defensive uh, end of the locker room. Believe but right, it or not, when you and I grew, when you and I grew up, you were lucky if you had five coaches, not twelve or thirteen. That's true. <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah, you're exactly right. But I just thought, you know, it's funny, and I guess, and this is a few years ago now, but uh, it also shows you the impact uh, the player. The guy was doing a good job, and he, like I said, he wound up. That's why I'm not going to his name or anything. But uh, mm-hmm. he got he wound up with other jobs. But that's what the uh, the players would talk about privately about them. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, you know, um, guys that are out there that, um, we are, we are out of, uh, we are out of time. Doug, thank you very much. Billy Wardell, of course, thank you. All the guests we had this evening, great show, a lot of fun. And we'll do it all again next week. And, uh, we'll turn it all over to the director, Frank Carroll. Go to it. God bless. Thank you, sir. These programs are brought to you each and every now and then. We grateful appreciation for the men in the United States Armed Forces, the men and police and fire services. When you're out there and you see the uniform, please uh, let them know that you know they're there. These are very tough times. All our brothers out there. <clears throat> uh, this, these programs are also dedicated to those who have lost their lives in line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman Jeffrey Polcat, Sergeant Thomas Bailier, Patrolman David Curtis. Uh, Deputy Mike Harcroft, Deputy Blaine Lane, uh, Patrolman Jeffrey Yaswitz, Sergeant Thomas Bainger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henler, Sergeant Thomas Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Chris Levick, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Monofo Crispin, Lakeland PD. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Deputy Josh Meyer, Nassau County Sheriff's Department. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Arda Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Pikus, Wilmington Fire Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Ogle, Longboat Police, Longboat Boat Police Department, and Chief Jimmy Ford, Billington Fire Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10 7 at this point in time, at some time we'll be 10 10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. 
May the rain swell softly on your fields, the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the palm of his hand. Good night, God bless, and please be careful out there.
like that. We love you and we miss you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.